0: On today's episode,
1: using your imagination to imagine a better future, but you also have to be here in the present.
2: How do you find that balance between being an artist, being a creator, being a curious cat and that need for logic and grounding and earthing in the present and where we are and, and as human beings? Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if people are keeping up with my brain. <laughs> and I've got to admit, like, life was pretty sweet. Like, Pretty much I felt like I could dodge bullets like Neo, do you know what I mean? It was nuts and I could see auras on people and trees and all this kind of stuff.
0: But man, did I miss my humanness. Welcome to the Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. We're on a mission to help those of us who feel way too sad, way too often, remember what it's like to feel alive and 100% yourself again. So whether you're here because you're stressed out, feel like your emotions are constantly hijacking your life, or you've just somehow lost your way, your host rachel has got your back let's have all the chats everyone told us not to talk about yeah. <laughs> rebellion she's a raver misbehavior and suicide survivor turned happiness champion she's on a mission to bring happiness back because let's face it it never really went out of fashion this podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners if you're sensitive to certain topics please check the show notes for full episode descriptions
2: Hello, and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel Welford. I am here today talking to Shauna Cummings, and I'm really, really excited about this conversation because we know loads of the same people, but we've sort of been on each other's periphery for ages. So I'm really excited to get um, into this conversation with her. Now, if you've not heard about Shauna before, she is, I mean, so qualified in so many different things. She is a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner. She is an author of The Wishcraft and also the founder of the Divine Feminine School of Hypnosis and the Mind Massage Hotline, which I need to ask you about in a minute because that is such a cool name. (laughs) Um, She has a private clinic that she runs in New York, but she also holds um, ceremonies and events and different things worldwide. She creates um, hypnotic sound art and installations and her work has been featured internationally in so many different galleries from Denmark to New York to... um, Um, Glasgow even uh, in Scotland and the method she has developed which is her trademarked method is called the wishcraft and we're going to be getting into that in just a few moments time but for those who are just like What the hell is that? sounds really cool, which is how I sort of came across her. Um, It's a type of self-hypnosis, and it basically is a way of teaching yourself the art of well-wishing as a practice for changing thought patterns, beliefs, and turning wishes into action, which anyone who listens to this podcast will know is totally my bag. So thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to
1: us, Shauna. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yeah. I think it's
2: it's quite funny for um, a few guests that I've had on are like, oh, when I hear my bio, like back kind of thing, I would go, God, I've done loads of stuff. I'm really
1: cool. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was nice. I think also the way you talked about it was very nice. But yes, exactly. That's actually, you know, part of the the beginning part of the witchcraft is really tapping into what you appreciate about yourself or what you're proud of yourself for. You know, we rarely do that. So we rarely hear mm. that from somebody else, you know. So that was a little witchcraft right there that you did. Thank I you. love it.
2: <laughs> I want to know, how did you get into... A, hypnosis, and B, from that, I imagine, and again, I might be wrong here, I'm just sort of guessing, but creating this wishcraft, you know, how did that all come together? How did it develop? Like, was it, I don't know, an accident? You sort of like tripped over a hypnosis book or was it a bit more
1: (laughs) more organized? (laughs) It was probably not dissimilar to a lot of people who find themselves working in the healing arts. I was doing my own you know deep healing and recovery exploration uh work and it was going on for a while i was changing careers Mm. from working in in fashion and publishing and and then i you know wanted to find more more meaning in my life and and i had also been quite burnt out at that period of time and so i was trying a lot of different things i was in psychotherapy for a few years I you know was doing all kinds of crystal healing and energy healing and psychic healing and then I found hypnosis mm. in that process and it, and it helped me very quickly and quite profoundly in a way that I was like wow like why didn't I learn this when I was younger you know why did I learn this in kindergarten?" Yeah. and it resonated with me so much and, and it, it really kind of brought together so many of my passions and interests and I was just kind of blown away by it. So, so for people step.
2: that are listening who are like, What the hell is hypnosis? Because maybe they don't know what it is. What's your kind of definition or your description of, of hypnosis? And the way, what I liked or what I heard in what you just said is around how it brought together lots of things. And I feel like mm-hmm. on my journey, almost like Reiki, I talk about it as a joke, but I'm like Reiki was like a gateway drug for me, <laughs> you know, into like this kind of world of energy and healing and all this kind of stuff. So um, mm-hmm. what's your, I guess, description of, of hypnosis and what, what is it that it brings together for you?
1: So hypnosis is, is really a state of mind. It's the way we pay attention. It's the way we relax. It's the trance state. Mm -hmm. So it's a naturally occurring state that we enter in and out of all the time. Unlike, you know, the misconception or the movies of some weird hypnotist making you do something you don't want to do. Really, it's the way that we we pay attention, we relax, we have fun. And it's about when you learn it as a conscious practice, it's about it's a really powerful tool to learn how your mind works and how to make it work for you instead of against you, because very often. This trans, these trance states that we're in and out of, you know, work against us instead of mm-hmm. for us. Because in this trance state, this naturally occurring state of consciousness that we go in and out of, our, our kind of conscious critical mind is, is suspended or bypassed to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And everybody is more receptive to suggestion in this state. So it's an ideal time to influence yourself positively typically we're being influenced by other people in the state like social media for example I was going to ask about
2: that on that point right because theoretically because this is I'm saying theoretically because it's a theory that I've just made up in my head right now (laughs) (laughs) television I read about this, that when you watch television, it hypnotises you because of the blue light and the moving pictures and you're relaxing and you kind of switch off, in adverted commas, like a lot of people. I've got, you know, a very good friend of mine who, that's how she relaxes. Like, she loves mm-hmm. to just sit down and watch, watch television or watch a movie. And so, theoretically, we're in this kind of hypnotised state and therefore then what we're watching can really affect our subconscious and so if we're watching a lot of things about I don't know I'm using myself as an example things that I love watching are things like you know about I don't know crazy murderers or whatever like making a murderer on Netflix or like Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. people that I kind of think like wow I find them so fascinating because they're so far removed from like anything that I you know I'm never going to kill anyone so you kind of like think wow what what makes someone tick like that Mm -hmm. or what makes them think like that but then I've started being a lot more conscious about what I watch because also watching things like trash tv you know love island or um i don't know these kinds of things that depict what i personally think are quite damaging relationship and gender norms and like Mm. um behavioral patterns that you know personally i think are relatively damaging and unhealthy you're then Mm. sitting there getting almost like hypnotized into thinking well this is just how things are or this is i don't know is that a potential truth and the same with social media we're kind of almost mm-hmm. in this hypnotized state and we're just taking in mm-hmm. you know a lot of information mm-hmm. some of which not particularly helpful for a
1: positive mindset let's say absolutely yeah and it's true the tv is a great example the movie is like classic you know everyday example of hypnosis because like the movie terms suspend disbelief Okay. Like that that's what, that's what happens. You decide, oh, I'm going to watch, I'm putting on Netflix, I'm going to watch this movie. Your conscious mind, it's kind of like a drawbridge to a castle. When you do that, when you suspend disbelief and you decide to watch the movie, it relaxes, it goes down like that drawbridge to the castle. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up to your imagination, your subconscious mind, you know, or your more emotional mind. And then we have a sensory experience with it. So, for example, a scary scene. And by the way, I'm watching a lot of like British mystery, like psychological drama, phil- killer movies. I'm I like, can't help but it. But I have had it in my head. I'm like, you got to stop that. But it's so good. It's so fascinating. I can't yeah. stop it. But anyway, it doesn't help that I live out in the woods right now. So, like, if oh, I wake God. up in the night and I'm like, oh. Don't so watch
2: those like horror stories in the woods. What is it? Blair Witch Project or something?
1: You'll be having oh, nightmares. That, no, no. I would, that, uh, there'd be no coming back from that. But, but I. <laughs> I'm inching my way there but yeah there was one I thought I guess it was called the woods and it was like some murder mystery I was like don't, don't, do, it. <laughs> don't do it so hopefully I have uh, some restraint there but the moment I'm indulging in that but um but I kind of um justify it because you know I'm interested in psychology obviously mm. so. yeah <laughs> it's, anyway it's fascinating it is fascinating. It's very fascinating. But um, so, yeah, so suspending disbelief. So when your conscious mind is in that relaxed state, you're open up, you open up to your subconscious mind, your emotional mind. So if you're watching a movie, it's very scary. You're like, don't go in that house. He's there. He's going to kill you. Like, don't go in the house. You know, you're you're really engaged. You, your cortisol levels are really high. It's mm-hmm. like you're there. You know, trying to influence the character, you're really feeling an emotional reaction, a physical response mm. to it. High levels of cortisol, and stress hormone, adrenaline. You know, you're you're tense up. Yeah, you can cry. I cry all. The, it's like a way for me to really cry regularly watching sad movies, right? And it's so helpful, actually, that in that case, to like release emotions. Mm. But at any rate, you know it's not real. You know very well it's not real, and you're allowing this phys- physical reaction release and experience to happen mm. so then let's say you see behind the scene that that drawbridge to the castle is up your conscious mind is alert and you're watching the behind the scenes camera crew actor everybody mm. same scene that made you scream that made you cry you feel nothing because you have not suspended disbelief you, you know it's not real you're like oh nothing. You don't feel anything. You know, you have no, so this is this, this unconscious, you know, decision that we make. So it's, so really when we work with self-hypnosis, it's about the conscious practice um, of influencing how choosing your thoughts to, you know, engage in your imagination, your subconscious mind to cause physical reactions and associations that influence you positively because, you know, our thoughts, but most importantly, our imagination attached to our emotion cause states of mind, physical reactions, new neural pathways, and, you know, experiences. So that's when we do it consciously is when we can really start influencing ourselves positively. So my my poetic um, definition of hypnosis is the medicine of the imagination, because it's really about how your imagination can work against you. And it often does, you know. In fact, know that's that the way it you works. Come
2: up with because that's a really clever, very succinct description.
1: Yes, yeah, thank you, thank you. I love it. I always, I love like a good, like kind of, you know, poetic buzz phrase. So, yeah, me <laughs> the medicine too. of imagination. So, how to make your imagination work for you instead of against you, consciously it's interesting
2: because with EFT I talk a lot about this with clients right within EFTs part of the practice is you know even though I feel like this so you sort of accept how you feel I accept that I can change and things like that but as you go through what often happens as you're tapping on one particular thing a another memory or a another situation that may seem completely not linked you know different time of your life not the same sort of people as far as you're aware not the same emotion not the same whatever but somehow your brain has interlinked whatever whatever thing that you're tapping on with this other memory or these or potentially multiple other memories mm-hmm. of things that have happened and you might be like oh well i don't know what i'm thinking i'm suddenly thinking about my maths teacher from when I was six years old or I'm suddenly thinking about Mm. this and it will be like, well, that's because you felt in that moment, you probably felt the same way that you felt in this other moment. And then also explaining to clients that not only does the brain interlink things like that, where it's like the... the feeling of that particular situation rather than necessarily whether it was the same situation or a different situation it's how you felt or what you experienced in that moment that sort of like boxes it together in a way if you like if you can think about a filing system in your brain but Mm -hmm. then also how your brain and your body do not know the difference between something you vividly imagine and something that is happening right now vis-a-vis panic attacks right when you have a panic attack when you get triggered by something that maybe reminds you one or even just reminds one of your senses of a traumatic thing that happened to you and therefore you end up almost reliving that experience um you know through your Um, nervous system that's what a panic attack is and that's why we then ground ourselves into the here and now into the present moment because it's not happening now but as Mm -hmm. far as your brain and your body's concerned it is happening now and you're about to die (laughs) and that's why it feels so horrible so it's Mm -hmm. really fascinating then that it's almost taking this um knowledge flipping it on its head and saying right okay let's use this for our own benefit then right let's see if we can Mm -hmm. imagine things and put ourselves into into that
1: space yes absolutely and that's exactly right like all those things that happen that we kind of struggle with especially panic attacks um you know just feeling completely hijacked you know in your body so so scary you know Mm. and it's extremely physical you know and um you know, heart racing, breath, everything mm. this, um, totally in a fight or flight, you know, and and that's a powerful example of the, mm. of the negative trance state, you know.
2: Mm. So. And so, OK, so you've come along, you've gone, right, well, OK, I've now found hypnosis. I'm like, I finding this stuff like fascinating. How did that then become to kind of develop into the witchcraft and your book and and being able to kind of, I guess, systemize in a, in a sense? this new way of, of kind of implementing hypnosis for like, yeah, I guess wishes
1: into action. I love that, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it came to be, well, I guess it was like the perfect, you know, storm, all the perfect like kind of ingredients, like pressure situation. At the time when I found hypnosis, I was also like, you know, my late twenties, early thirties where I was like, i'm making a move here you know we are we are finding a new career a new purpose it's happening now i was very determined as well and so hypnosis came to me at that perfect time where i was like you know what i think i'm gonna i'm gonna go for this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna train and and just it was actually just felt like it it was like a slipstream in a river kind of like just took me along (laughs) you know just yeah took me along and then it, it happened fast but it So at that time, it was, I think that's, I was so lucky because then obviously, you know, you know, training, I was really going through a major self-transformation, you know, through that training process. And then even the process of starting my own practice and doing an apprenticeship with somebody. And um, so it was so helpful to me, but also it was so exciting to me that it was like really creative. Kind of weird and like endlessly fascinating Mm.
0: because
1: that's what I needed. I mean, I really, I think I've always really identified as like an artist and a creative and a creator and you know a poet. But I found myself like you know working fashion. I I was teaching, then I was working in fashion, then I was publishing a magazine at the same time, doing all the things and and none of that. Everything I could get away with, all of that, like it was interesting and fun, but it wasn't really. It was. It was always kind of like some. Some I was helping other people. Like it wasn't my own art and creativity. Mm. So when I found hypnosis, it was very, very helpful for me on a deep level. Like, especially childhood kind of trauma and shame, and so it it kind of got to this place that none of my other kind of like therapies or healing modalities mm. had been able to, and so that was so liberating that it just sort of like changed everything for me it was very much like a before and after situation Mm. um and then you know beginning to train as a as a hypnotist i i had also been planning to kind of finish school and social work and then Mm. take a long route of then becoming like i'm studying psychoanalysis because here you in the states you have to one of the things you can do for psychoanalysis is become a social worker and then um, and then train privately uh, mm-hmm. to get a psychotherapist license. But I didn't really want to do that. It's just like, it was like in the direction of more yeah. what I felt like who I was, but I didn't want to work in the institution. At that time, I'd been living in New York for years, like really working independently, like publishing my, a magazine with friends, working for an independent fashion designer, like running, you know, it wasn't like, I was like, I don't, I can't, I'm I'm more and more like, you know, doing my own thing like I can't imagine going back into the institutional setting Mm -hmm. and it was in there I've always kind of liked to do my own thing anyway so I was thinking like okay you're going to go back to social work and do that because that's more meaningful it's more purposeful but then hypnosis I was like well this is very helpful and it's totally weird and endlessly fascinating so I'm doing this (laughs) (laughs) I love that and and I, I did like the element of it towing the line of like people being like you're a hypnotist are you gonna make me cook like a chicken that's not gonna yeah. happen you know and i'm
2: like and you're oh. like i kid but i don't want it <laughs> I,
1: I always i always like to say like you know i'm not gonna make you cook like a chicken unless you want me to of course yes. because if you want then you can do that because it's up to you you know i can't do anything that you don't want to want to yeah. do but you can do a lot more than you think you can do maybe even like
0: a chicken yeah <laughs> For more information on how you can bring your happiness back, why not join Rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website, www.wellfordwellbeing.com.
2: I mean, it is it is fascinating, isn't it? Because I don't know if you're aware of, um, I imagine you probably are, but you know, like Bruce Lipton's work around mm-hmm. like, epigenetics and all that kind of stuff. And you know it, it, part of that b- that blew my mind really around um you know understanding my anxiety and and various other things was he was saying that you know for the sev- first seven years of your life you're in a hypnagogic state mm-hmm. and I was like but you know and then you start looking at it and you're like right okay so you've only got two brain waves until you're like seven Mm-hmm. And so it's like pressing play and record on a old tape player and you're just recording everything mm-hmm. because you can't physically... It's not even because you're a kid and you're like, you know, you don't know anything yet or whatever. You know, like how some people are a bit cruel and say, like, kids are just thick because you don't know anything yet, which is true, really, because you don't know. You haven't <laughs> been taught yet, do you know what I mean? I mean but mm-hmm. it's, like, fascinating then to think, well, if every experience you had up until the age of seven... And I had some pretty crazy experiences. No one's fault, you know, just like I was ill and then he died and all this kind of stuff and whatever. Um, You think, oh, no wonder I've got anxiety and stuff because for me, the world really wasn't safe. Like, Mm -hmm. I nearly died quite a few times in that period. And so as an adult, then, when I think, oh, why do I feel so unsafe all the time? I never feel safe. I'm just constantly worried about stuff. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. because of this state. And then when you can go into these states on purpose either through hypnosis or maybe through you know because I feel like a lot of this um work with meditation when you do you know even sound therapy that I work with you're you know you're moving people into an altered state of some kind and then allowing them to work through things it's it's fascinating isn't it how quickly things can change
1: totally absolutely and it is like this kind of treasure chest of of resources that we have inside of us it's just that we don't have an intimacy with them we haven't been taught so much in the you know in a more kind of mainstream way that we have that ability and power you know mm-hmm. um going into that healing state but interestingly enough like the wishcraft which came kind of a few years after me practicing as a hypnosis uh, practitioner it was about me returning to my childlike state of imagination, but also reclaiming it with consciousness and awareness and positive imagination. Mm. So it, so I, as I'd been working with hypnosis in the beginning, it was really amazing. I was like, I can't believe I can, I get to do this. This is like the coolest job in the world. And I and I'm learning so much and I love it. But then at a certain point, about two years, two and a half years in, I was like, this is not, I I have, but like, I'm repressing my artistic urge. I'm, rep- I'm showing up and midwifing other people's dreams and here myself, I'm not, I haven't become like the writer or the artist that I really want to be. Like I, you know, I dabbled in things with, in my twenties and when I was younger, but I never really went there out there on stage on my, you know, myself. And I was really feeling like there was a lot of stuckness going on in my in my life. So I, it was interesting. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I found my purpose. I'm so happy. Yeah. But yet there's this latent creative repressed energy. And if I'm going to be helping people, I have to pay attention to that. I have mm. to like go into that and liberate that. And, and so I have been recovering from um, a pretty uh, destructive relationship and and I had insomnia a lot in that period of time, which was also, it's a weird thing when you're like, oh, I, I found my purpose in doing that. And then all of a sudden everything goes to shit, you know, well, that's life, you know, <laughs> like that, that, that's the way life works So yeah. sometimes, you know, so you have to you know, transform. Or... So lucky enough for me in that, in one of those insomnia, night hazes, I, I was like, you know, and I had been really putting this together in my, hypnosis training as well, because I was a sick child as well, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my childhood was spent in the hospital, and I had really developed a, this kind of um, proclivity for imaginary worlds. Um, also, the witchcraft is kind of coming from this, this place in my childhood where I, I got obsessed with wishing, prompted by my brother bringing me a, a plant when I was in the hospital, Cause I had a lot of like breathing related things in this mm. case. It was, um, I had like pneumonia and so I was in a breathing tent, but I was old. So I remember like, mm-hmm. I was like seven or something like that. So I really remembered the time. Yeah. And so my brother brought me this plant and he kind of made a suggestion that it was like a lucky plant. Like you could, it was a, one of those plants that open up and close. So oh, when yeah. it opens up, you can make a wish and then at night it's going to be coming true. But So I like, a little bit obsessive compulsive which is also something that a lot of sick kids have it's a way it's like a mental construct it can be anyway so that's how it works for me
2: over something when everything else is so out of control isn't it all the time yeah I don't know if you felt like
1: that when you were young too but I definitely had that tendency and I
2: don't do you know what I don't really remember this is the thing I don't really remember a lot of my I don't really remember much before I was a teenager if I'm honest and i don't i think that's potentially a coping mechanism thing i have yeah. flash i have flashes of stuff but generally it's really odd like people you know childhood friends even my brother and my sister will be like oh my god remember this and i'm like and sometimes i just go yeah and i'm like no i can't have no recollection of it whatsoever and like my best friend and i used to have this in joke where sometimes I'd ring her up and be like oh my god I'm gonna tell you this really funny thing and I'd be telling her and she's like I know babe I was there
1: <laughs> like it's oh just, it's that's right it's good to have those friends and family to remember the good things just, yeah thank god yeah yeah that's it, it definitely could be a copy forgetting yeah. it's amazing like it's fascinating memory and- yeah Survival, But I tap problems. on that as
2: well. And they're, they're starting to, I interviewed actually Peter Stapleton. I don't know, depending what order mm. these go out in, people might have already heard it or not. Um, and, and that's the next set of research that she's doing is uh, EFT tapping for memory and Alzheimer's
1: and stuff like that. Oh, so wow. Yeah, Beautiful. Could be, really, could be really cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We use EFT a lot in hypnosis. We call it conversational hypnosis. Well, because I think it, it that is basically what it is right it's like mm-hmm. it's a fascinating
2: mm-hmm. um fascinating thing and that's why I wanted to speak to Peter specifically because she does so much mad research mm. like some of every re- one of her recent research showed that there was um change in 72 gene expressions when tapping
1: wow. so it's
2: not even just the stuff that happens that we're already aware of in the mind and the nervous system and stuff and the anecdote or t- you know, I mean, it's. I say anecdotal because it, it. You know, inadvertent commas because it's like literally every EFT therapist across the world <laughs> seems to have the same anecdotal evidence for their clients. <laughs> you know, um, but it's difficult when there's not. You know, scientific proof for a lot of people, it's difficult. And actually, she is now showing through a lot of her work that you know, through um, MRI brain scans, through. Um, you know, testing gene expression, all that kind of stuff that actually this stuff really works on multiple levels. It's not just like woo woo nonsense hippie. Oh, that's so great. I love it. Crap, I know, love it. Yeah. So, sorry. So let's get back to you. You're in this tent. You've got this um plant. It, uh, your brother said to you, oh, when it's open, you can make a wish. And when it
1: doesn't, and you've, you've kind of got a bit obsessive into this, this okay. world that you've created. So I, so that, so it, there's a couple of timelines going on here if you yeah. can let me know if i if, if you I can love follow, it. This, but... is,
2: this is this part this is what this podcast is all about i'm like sometimes i'm like i wonder if people are really keeping up with my brain
1: <laughs> so so yeah so basically i'm you know when i found myself you know a couple of years into practicing hypnosis really coming into another rut of like first of all getting out of this destructive relationship but second of all being like i'm not this is wonderful, but this is a vocation. I need to be true to my artistic, you know, creative life force energy. Mm-hmm. And I really need to make my dreams come true beyond this as well, you know? And, and I was really remembering a lot, a lot, a lot with hypnosis and the healing, it, you know, a lot of those childhood yeah. memories were coming to the surface, but also transformed positively, you know, and being, being, it was very healing for me. And so at this time I was like, yes, I'm going but I really found myself connecting with my seven-year-old self at that time, remembering how, you know, I I actually was using, like a lot of people do, a sort of self-hypnosis. Because yeah. I became obsessed with this wishing instruction or suggestion from my brother, and I began began visualizing and wishing every part of my body well but it was a little bit still like in my ocd kind of framework where if i skipped a part i'd have to go back you know <laughs> and start it over yeah, but and it was very calming and very um Joe Dispenza, like, <laughs> exactly You're like, like, you know it's it's a natural thing you know yeah. we do we do this you know naturally it's not it's part of our mechanisms of survival yeah. but to bring it into consciousness and to understand it as both an art and a craft yeah um it's, that's what this is about for me that's what the witchcraft is about and so I and then I you know if I look back to my you know adolescent years and growing up I you know I was it was avoidant you know I had a wild imagination but I used it very I didn't know what what I was doing it was but it it, it worked to protect me and also keep me kind of small and insecure, you know, and in fantasy. Mm. And so I was like, wow, this, so this like one night when I was like going through my crazy breakup and and insomnia and these days, which is also a little bit of a liminal state, you know, a little bit of a hypnosis state. I was like, wow, this is all coming together. Okay. Like you, you, this is like you have liberated yourself from this, from going into fantasy, which can really be, you know, like a drug Mm. and it's about covering up fear. You know, it's not accepting reality. It's just going and indulging and activating dopamine and serotonin, but staying in this kind of candy, like, you know, surreality that doesn't accept the way things are, you know, Mm -hmm. but then when you come into healing and hypnosis as a healing tool, you go into your imagination and you use it consciously, which requires you to be active. It's creative. It's inherently creative act. Mm. So you, ex- you're like, okay, yes, this is what's happening, but what's possible. And that's the key. It's everything. That's and especially now in where we're at, like this last year coming out of our own collective like trauma and incubation phase of, you know, the virus and everything, you know, fantasy is, is, is a real thing, but moving mm. it into imagination, you know, understanding the impact of, you know, being here in reality and then, but also being able to hold the two things at once of using your imagination to imagine a better, a better future, you know, but you also have to be here in the present, you know? Yeah. Um, So the wishcraft then came to me first as a a moniker, as like the word. And I was like, I love it because it, it, you know, I love how it's kind of like a play in words. And it also kind of speaks to this, mystical side of hypnosis you know and also like you know challenging people to think like oh yeah like is it witchcraft you know is it not witchcraft no it's not but at the same time yeah it is amazing and it's profound and it's mysterious and I'm not a scientist you know I'm an artist and I like to always work within that realm of like experience you know and transcendence and and Curiosity and creativity—that's like my realm of, of you know, of comfort and mm. and you know, expertise, so to speak. So I feel very comfortable in that, and as opposed to, I love the neuroscience of it. I'm a total like neuroscience, self-directed neuroplasticity, you know, enthusiast. Yeah. But I also feel very, um, yeah. I don't like to be like, okay, like, you know, this is. what I love the latest neuroscience. It's always changing, though. and also the mystics you know they've known about this since like the sleeping temples you know
2: I think one of my main problems is that I'm such a skeptic and so even though I've had <laughs> I should tap on this tonight even though I've had these um, adverse what you might call mystical or spiritual experiences that are now you know uh, so many that it cannot be a coincidence you know of being able to tune into somebody else's energy field that is in a completely different place to me. Being able to, you know, I do at the moment this fun thing on Instagram, these um, one card oracle read-ins for people i don't know how i know stuff about people do you know like i've never met these people before in my life they just rocked up on my instagram and i just see their handle and that's it i don't know anything about them and then i'll be like right this problem is to do with this this and this blah blah blah, blah, blah. and nine times out of ten they're like oh my god how did you know that and then having experiences around you know dead people you know suddenly i'm chatting to someone's aunt or grandma or whatever i don't know these people i don't i don't know the, you know the thing that i'm telling you and so you have all these like mad experiences that you, and and there's part of me that gets like you say really curious really creative really excited about it, and it's like oh my god the universe and it's amazing and everything's connected and oh my god what if everyone's just a reflection what if the whole world is just a, a mirage and like you know all of this and then there's this <laughs> other part of me that's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm oh yeah and just such a sceptic and is like what a load of shit I don't believe any of that I need proof and then this other like very logical part of my brain like goes off and needs to like you know well why did that happen and what does that mean and how can that be a thing and maybe it's a coincidence and you know all this stuff and even though you're like oh come on mate it's been seven years now and you can't just keep having like 500 coincidences a year for seven (laughs) years (laughs) but I think for other people as well I think can really resonate with that thing of like having a part of you that really wants to just go so deep and delve into this like mysterious unseen magical energetic like so subtle like i don't know i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that realm of of (laughs) possibility right and then Uh there's this other part that's like super grounded in the humanness and is like well okay but i don't want to just meditate all day every day and not go and i don't know get pissed or shag <laughs> or like eat pizza or whatever like you know mm-hmm. it's still there's still that human element and there's still that like trust element around things that you can't see here touch te- you know taste whatever i don't know it's, it's i find the whole thing like fascinating and totally. do you, how do you find that balance between being an artist, being a creator, being a curious cat, for one of a better description, and that kind of need for logic and grounding and earthing in the present and where we are and, and as human beings.
1: I mean, I love that you have both in such a strong capacity because I think that's such a real gift. I feel like that's important, you know. I think like maybe this last year has really kind of, brought that to light more than anything like we like yes we can you know travel in our mind We can imagine these other worlds we can connect to the subtle planes of energy we can connect to telepathically you know perhaps all these different things but i but we we're here you know mm-hmm. we're here right now we're in this body we're living this life and that's the that's it that that's mm-hmm. the most important thing you know so like to be able to Hold the two things at once is vital, you know. And all of these tools really help you do that. But it's not necessarily easy because of course sometimes you want to escape because life is not, you know, a complete bed of roses. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, gonna, it's gonna go up and Speak down. Speak for yourself, Mine's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe some more than others, but no. I think I think those two, holding the two things at once is, is vitally important. And I think mm. that it's like the self-study and I feel like it's really important. Say like my family just recently, and I've been doing this for nine years now, are now like speaking to... I, I published a book and they're like, oh, okay, like, what do you do again? Okay. And they don't even want to talk about it because it's so weird and like they don't believe it. And everything is bullshit, you know? So I I have that indoctrinated in me, you know? So like it, even though I can... You know, go off into the deep end of the mystical waters. I'm still always like, yeah, but you know, how do, how can you prove that, or how can you communicate that to someone who's a skeptic and all that kind of stuff? So I still have that, and I'm glad for it. Like I think, I, like I said, I think it's really important to have the both things, the two sides, and to be here because that's that's where we're we're all here together. So yeah, we gotta, like be present. You know, all these tools are really about being present and being flexible to the changing nature of life and consciousness.
0: Don't forget to meet us over on YouTube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes. You can find the link in the description.
2: Yeah, because I I do think that I've got to admit, as part of my journey, I almost felt a bit cheated at one point because I was like, you know, I'm meditating in silence for three hours a day and I'm you know I wasn't eating sugar or any caffeine or like I really took it very seriously and my energy work and I was practicing like different chi practices every day and I was like whoa and I've got to admit like life was pretty sweet like pretty much I felt like I could dodge bullets like neo do you know what I mean it was like pretty nuts and I could see auras on people and trees and all this kind of stuff but man did I miss my humanness i liked it i did and i still feel torn sometimes i look back on that on that period of time and i think man that was nice though you know because i felt really empowered and nothing bothered me like it was almost like the 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 human you know sometimes that that human grounding that questions everything that anxious mind that runs into the future you know all that kind of stuff just didn't exist did not exist and it was just like I felt like I was so connected and so in flow decisions were so easy to make because it I was so in tune with my intuition that it was you know Mm. I could tell when it was a no very easily and so it did make on that hand life very easy in one one sense but on the flip side I didn't have none of my friends were meditating like this was what Mm -hmm. six years ago or something I didn't really know anyone else that meditated that much I knew a couple of energy healers and you know and I just missed being human and I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were like you know it is great up there on those planes and all that stuff and it and I mean anyone that's ever been into that space of meditation where you are literally one with everything and it is better for me anyway than any drug any orgasm any anything that I've ever experienced it's quite hard to not Give it up in inverted commas, but you know, like it's quite hard to come back down from that and be like, oh, but. You know, I guess if it was a meme, it would be like, yeah, that's nice. But have you ever eaten a whole tub of Haagen-Dazs whilst binge-watching Netflix?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's also really nice. And, 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 you know, I believe in, like, spirit and reincarnation, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, one day I might just be that energy, right? I might not reincarnate. I might just... I don't know how all that works with the energy hierarchy or whatever. I don't know what the, what the deal is, right? I don't think anyone actually does. But at some point i might not have a body i might not be able to have an orgasm have sex go running snowboard and um, watch through human eyes the beauty of a sunset or a sunrise or a, you know i might not be able to like i don't know feel the bark on a tree or hug like hug someone I love big up my brother by the way best hugs ever um you know like Mm -hmm. that feeling when you that you can have as a human being that you maybe can't have as a spirit or an energy body yeah I think it's important for us to experience that not to get addicted to anything or to get into that space of craving and aversion and I don't want pain and I but I want all the pleasure or whatever but to be able to just go mate sometimes just Binge watching Netflix with a pal, or going off <laughs> and eating popcorn in the dark or whatever. Is is that a cool experience as well, you know?
1: Totally. Yeah. I love the way that you kind of articulated that, kind of encompassing everything. yeah, I, I hear you. Like I've definitely been like a seeker to the realms of, you know, like being in ashrams and, you know, Buddhist um, you know, monasteries and stuff for you know weeks on end like and 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 seeing people who who really just like end up living in those spaces you know because they are in kind of a state of enlightenment but they can't really be out in the real world you know because in that way and that's i'm not there's no judgment on that I think that's a beautiful uh you know devotion but but i i guess you know a lot of what this last year has brought to me is as i was finishing my book the wishcraft which is all about you know You know the subtitle is a guide to manifesting a positive future all about using your imagination to work for you instead of against you imagining a positive future for yourself and the world you know and really you know kind of transcending from you know difficult uh, experiences and stuck Mm -hmm. energy in your life and stuff but when this was happening my mom died and I had to be there by her side, you know, in hospice, it was very, very difficult, you know, as, as anyone, yeah. for anybody, you know, it's probably the most difficult yeah. um, kind of grief thing that I've ever had to go through, but also the 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 viscerality of it, the, the experience of, you know, I mean, it was a, such a gift, especially in these times to be there with her before she passed and when she yeah. passed, the moment that she passed. But it really changed everything for me. It felt like, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I've it's not even been a, it's only been like seven months since that happened. But, it, wow. you know, I wrote the dedication of the book. I had to finish, basically do the edits and finish the book after that, which was the worst God. possible Shauna, timing. You poor love. But, it, but I did it. And, but I'm like, you know, that's why I think I, when I talk about, you know, uh, witchcraft and hypnosis now, I really talk about yeah being grounded in the messy in the mm-hmm. nitty gritty and of life in our bodies and that we just don't know, you know? Nice. like we just we just there's just so much that we don't know and like having a reverence for you know wishing your i love this practice of wishing it is inspired by my childhood healing experience but it's also it's about like all of us as children, Mm -hmm. like reclaiming that ability to wish on a star, to wish on a wishing well, and to wish the best for yourself, you know, and and for other people, you know, how often little kids are like, oh, please, like I wish that my, you know, mom would just get better. I wish that my friend would do this or how I wish that, you know, and it's just, we do that as kids, you know, in total surrender Mm -hmm. to, to a higher power, to a divine force, like petitioning, The universe in a way and it's an incredible act of self-love you know to do that and it's a it's a wonderfully expansive healing helpful state to allow that to happen without attachment you know but also it helps to focus you and it brings you to an abundant mindset but then it's about letting it go Mm -hmm. and most importantly it's about you know cultivating this as a practice And and we know now with science and neuroplasticity that you know where your energy where your attention goes, your energy flows and that, you know, the neurons that wire together, fire together. So when you have these practices of just like gratitude, self-appreciation and wishing yourself well and wishing other people well, it really, it influences and strengthens neural pathways in your prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex that lends itself to be working for you instead of against you. Because it's like when that negativity bias comes up, your mind is much more, Strengthened and engaged to be like, yeah you know what yes, this sucks, but we have your own we have your back like you know you have your own back mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay like we can accept this and we can move on you know so it's about this ability to you know cultivate a compassionate mindscape for yourself and for other people so like the that's a key part of it in part of the big metaphor of the wishcraft is from the wishing well inspired by Celtic tradition where mm. allegedly the wishing well comes from, like there's so many wishing wells and sacred wells in England yeah. and in Ireland and Wales and Scotland. And, and so these wish, they believed that the God, the water was sacred. Mm-hmm. And so they believed what, you know, the gods dwelled in the water. So they would go to the wells and surrender their wishes and their worries to the gods. And my thinking like that one night that I woke up in that insomnia case trying to heal from that relationship I was like you know what I want to share hypnosis like you know how when you when you really work with hypnosis in this kind of well-wishing way your mind can be a proverbial wishing well mm-hmm. like it, it becomes this place that is this sacred well of possibility that you can kind of have compassion for that you can feel safe safer yep. in you know and you yeah. can and when you plant your seeds, your wishes in that state of mind they're 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 more likely to come true because yeah. you're 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 affecting yourself on a deeper level so it's like that it is that proverbial wishing well. And I love the wishing well metaphor because like the well you know if the well is poisoned we're all poisoned, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like part of the teaching, you know, I manifestation teaching can be a little bit in my opinion too capitalistic and to especially in America, it can really lend itself to the rhetoric of like this rugged individualism, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though people may not see that yep. so much because it's so much in the culture of like Instagram and in in empowerment, but really there's a lot of kind of n- look at nuances me. that are being lost. You know, look
2: at me! Aren't I beautiful? I'm going to be rich. I can have all these things I I I all the time instead of it being like you know this abundant yeah. gift like one of the things that called out to me and what you were just talking about was how you said um well two things actually firstly it's like wishing everybody well and that is difficult you know like there's I'm still <laughs> still <laughs> working on forgiveness of one particular person <laughs> many years me
1: too. Later. me
2: too yeah me too many years later <laughs> and I keep coming back to it and I'm like maybe I've done it maybe I'm there because I feel like I've dealt with so many elements of it and then I'm, and then something will trigger me and I'll be like that motherfucker <laughs> and then I'm like okay you're not over it yet <laughs> Um, But somebody had said to me, which is really interesting practice, that when you see people that you might um, come across in the streets, so say, for example, um, where I live in this uh, local park, there's a few people that are obvious, um, obviously have addiction problems with alcohol and drugs. And some of them, I believe, are either homeless or not living in one fix home right and so often I'll chat to a couple of them and I give them some money sometimes and things like that but um, something that somebody had said to me is like when you give them the money and things like that do you feel like because basically we were talking about how people judge others like how they're going to spend that money so some people would say I wouldn't give a drug addict money because they're going to spend it on drugs and I'm like that's none of my business (laughs) what they spend their money on Um, you know and like if they have an addiction to me that's not their fault if you know what I mean so if I can help them to I'm not saying that I you know it's a solution to pay people to go and find drugs that's not obviously not a solution to addiction so I don't want anyone to read it as if I'm saying that but what Mm -hmm. I mean is if you're in that addictive um, cycle uh, the things that the lengths that you will go to to get the things that you need to feed your addiction uh, are quite extreme and if I can um i guess provide a solution to stop that extreme behavior happening then then that's not necessarily a bad thing but she was like when you give them that money do you do you think oh god this is so sad and i hate seeing people in the midst of addiction this is awful you know duh, 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 or do you look at them and imagine them well and i was like oh man that's clever so now yes. whenever i speak to somebody or give them money or whatever the interaction is even if because i don't it's not like i live in london no offense but if i gave every single person that asked me for money money on the street i would i wouldn't have a house to live in you know um so but every single time now i imagine i visualize them in my head as if they're super healthy as if their addiction is gone as if they have an abundance of money as if they have as if they're surrounded by you know family and friends and people that genuinely care about them as if whatever pain that they're substituting with whatever whether it's alcohol drugs whatever it might be whatever that pain is that's causing that core behavioral pattern of addiction i imagine that that's lifted and that they're wow. free and happy and i imagine i'm surrounded by light and it's such a nicer way of of being and it's it's a really interesting it. practice again also a little bit around self-judgment of how you subconsciously and not on purpose because you think oh I'm helping them but you're also judging them for being for being on the street for being you Mm -hmm. know less than in some ways than you Mm -hmm. are maybe in a Mm -hmm. so then actually when you look at them in a in a different way as if everything's been lifted and they're in this power space and their pain's Mm -hmm. gone and everything else it
1: it stops that judgment element as well, which is... Oh, that's like, so good. I'm going to do that. I love yeah. it so much. That's a beautiful exercise, especially in terms of that. And I absolutely agree with you. Like kind of, yeah, like the whole thing is like helping somebody when you can and not judge it, you know, so it's not our place to judge that. But this is a great, mm. wonderful way to shift the energy, you know, just and immediately. And Again. I loved what
2: you said as well about if the well is poisoned, we're all poisoned. I felt like that was so poignant. It's like, ah, oh, I never thought about like that. Like, how, you know, and I feel the same with the mind. Mm-hmm. It's like that one negative thought that you can have. And I've learned this the hard way. I don't know if you might have had similar experiences where, and I talk about this a lot on this podcast, I have these really disciplined practices. I get really into something and I'm like, right, okay, you know, and then I feel really good and I feel really confident and really healthy and like I'm on top of my game and I'm in my power and I'm like that's right bitch look at me go <laughs> so I so I stop all the practices because I've obviously nailed it and then a couple of months later I'll be like why is everything going wrong again I'm so negative negative." and then I realize like oh yeah it's my practices and I feel like those little negative thoughts are like that Like Mm -hmm. as soon as that well of your mind gets poisoned with that Mm -hmm. one drop of I'm not good enough or people don't like me, I'm too whatever, you know not enough, whatever, Mm -hmm. suddenly the whole thing is poisoned and when you are um then in that poisoned space if you like. Well this is gonna sound quite dark over the thing. You. everybody around you gets in the same
1: oh it's strong oh my gosh yeah I mean you can't discredit that uh, or minimize that electromagnetic field like that the energy like even blindfold we can feel it I mean it can you know when somebody comes in in, in really dark intense energy you can feel it you know and it affects the whole field you know um, so many different so much of our communication is nonverbal you know yeah. And, but yeah, it's, I agree. This, the idea with the well being poisoned with the negative thoughts. But I do think, you know, what I suggest in the Wishcraft, which is really meant to be like kind of like a magical, kind of fanciful, inspirational book, you know, mm. um, as opposed to like a serious, like, you know, book. It's, I kind of wanted to like inspire people and have them make it their own, you know, mm. but, um, the you know, thinking about, the thoughts, it's important to, you know, your thoughts are super important, obviously they're great tools, but actually the imagination, the emotion is the most important part. That's the charge of it, you know? So how mm-hmm. to, for me, it was very important to liberate myself from the shame mm-hmm. and feeling like, Oh, I have to do this right. Or I'm not going to do it right. Because and then I was never going to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. and I was always going to be seesawing back and forth and all, somebody tells me like, I have a lot of colleagues, you know, in this field of thought patterns and, you know, and hypnosis and transfer- self transformation. They're like, well, that's your story. You're just telling yourself that. That's just your story, and that's why this happened to you. So this very it can be very divisive, right? So mm-hmm. somebody says somebody's homeless. Well, that's their choice. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not helping them because that's their choice. And so it can be really uh, a justification for like being very unempathetic, you know, and yeah, um, and very judgmental and actually the opposite of what you're, what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what is all that, what is all that great like meditation and self-improvement all that stuff for if it's, if it's only for you and you can't extend it out, you know, to yes. your, to the, to the, to your community, to the earth, to nature, to everything. If you're, so there's, a, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a an, an oxymoron, yeah. you know? So like understanding that thoughts are important, but they're not that important. It's really the imagination, you know, and that compassionate cultivated Mm -hmm. mindscape where you can rise above it. We have 60,000 plus thoughts every day. And for me, like I've suffered from CPTSD, from obsessive thinking, you know, when you have, when you're going through an episode like that, you know, like it could come from being ill. It could come from not sleeping well. It could come from, a global pandemic, you know, those, that negativity bias, bias is going to ramp up. It's mm. part of our survival network, right? Yeah. It's, but it doesn't, it's not the end all be all. It's just one level of consciousness. And so when we increase our self-awareness and we increase our ability to have self-compassion for ourselves, then we can have awareness around those, those yeah. negative thoughts that come up Yeah, and we can actually befriend all the different parts of ourselves, like, yes. you know, and then be a better friend to ourselves and then to others too, you know? Yeah. Because Absolutely. we realize it's not a black and white situation. It's not all or nothing. It's okay. like actually much more nuanced and complex than that, you know? And so the thoughts, like if you're having, you know, a CPTSD episode or something, it's going to be negative. And those thoughts are going to be horrible. And you're going to be thinking about the worst case scenario. Yeah. But once you can see that's a plane of existence, that's cycling through your nervous system. Yeah. You It doesn't affect you as much, you know, and you can really ramp up the, the yeah. positive or you can feel more present you know you can also have compassion for yourself which is a beautiful thing you know this
2: is what I always teach as well with my clients like I, I deal with people with um, PTSD and anxiety depression those kind of uh, probably my top three top three fun topics to, to deal with people and it's always that thing of like okay so when your mind does that just say thank you because mm. all it's trying to do is keep you alive and when you can understand that actually when you're having all these like catastrophizing negative horrendous and sometimes terrifying let's face it replays or thoughts or 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 however that's exhibiting itself for you in that moment if you can keep that observer part of self that goes oh this is what my body and brain are doing they're either a reliving something that was really traumatic or they're trying to prevent that thing that was really traumatic from happening again by preparing me in inverted commas by allowing me to think out every single worst case scenario so god forbid one of those worst case scenarios happens i'm prepared because i already thought about it and thought about what the solution would be Mm-hmm. suddenly you can have a bit more compassion for yourself because rather than fighting all those thoughts off and being like what the hell did i don't want to think like this about myself and maybe i'm a piece of shit anyway or da, 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 whatever and getting into that like angry frustrated like which you mm-hmm. know it can be difficult to not do that i've definitely put my hand up to definitely doing that in the past um i definitely can't say it won't happen again in the future with something else <laughs> hashtag life you know um, <laughs> then but when you can then have that observer part of self that goes ah it's just trying to keep me alive that's all it's doing yeah i um, okay but i am alive and i'm not under any immediate threat hopefully um so maybe i can relax a bit and give myself a little moment to kind of come out of it and i think that's so powerful and i guess within the wishcraft you know one of the things we use um in eft especially in a few of the other modalities that i've trained in is you know a peaceful place or a safe space and yeah. you take yourself to that beach in thailand or that hammock wherever it was or walking through a grassy field with your mate or your dog or i don't know i always think about my little nephew eating lemons <laughs> he doesn't do it anymore but when he was really little he used to be like eat lemons and then be like oh <laughs> super sour and it just you know whenever I think about that moment I'll just be like flooded with love and have, you know <laughs> get, get hearing him giggle and stuff you know and it's like oh that takes you into that that space in and allows your nervous system to then you know regulate itself and it's just it's fascinating how imagination is is so powerful you know totally really yeah I want to know, so before you got into witchcraft, before hypnosis, before all of this stuff, what one thing, if
1: there is one thing, do you wish you'd known? I wish I, I knew you were going to answer this, but I just, you know, now I'm just in the moment here thinking, about what, what would I, so many things. But I guess I would, I wish I would have known that it doesn't matter that much what other people think. Yeah. Wow. And you, could just, you should try to just. I know it sounds a little bit after I go on talking about being so compassionate, caring about what other people think, <laughs> caring about other people, not caring about what they think, but like really trying living for your for your true to yourself, you know, trusting yourself and not caring so much about what other people think. I think that would have caused, you know, that would have helped me, um, you know, kind of not have a lot of like distress, of you know, and and yeah, probably making lots of. Probably would have helped me from making a lot of bad decisions. Mm. And let that sink in for everyone.
2: Because I think that's something that most people, you know, we can't help it to an extent. I mean, you can help it with training and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, that worry about especially peers, parents, people that we, you know, want to be intimate with in one shape, way, shape, or form, you know, of course we're going to care to an extent whether they like us or not and there's that programming even of you know historically if people didn't like us and we were left out on our own from the village we would die so it's kind of you know there is this subconscious and dna programming of like we need people we need you know we're village people aren't we human beings we need other people around us but when we allow that fear of what other people think of us to dictate, like you say, our decision-making, what we're doing with our life, just saps the joy, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also feel like it really keeps you like small and constricted too, because Mm -hmm. you're kind of like living for other people instead of for yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way, I feel like if I would have known this more when I was younger, I probably would have had more intimacy with people, you know, more real intimacy. Cause I would have been more true to myself. You know, I would have been closer to people in a way because I wouldn't have been so, I mean, I think definitely as part of my coping mechanism survival strategy was like being super caring and taking care of other people and really being super empathetic towards other people, which I think is a wonderful thing. But again, it's about the balance of it, you know, and, mm-hmm. You know so understanding like what other people think is unimportant really it's what you think of yourself yeah it's the most important
2: huge life lessons oh thank you so much for being here i've loved chatting to you so much and um, if too. people want to find out more about you how can they get in touch how can they get hold of the book how what's the best way for them to find out more
1: yeah thank you so much um so my website is the best so shauna com. that's s h a u n a c u m i-n f and then on instagram at the wishcraft um that's a good way too. and then the book is available at all bookstores um all major bookstores Online and um, should hopefully be more in person now too. Great. It's it's the it's wishcraft by Shauna Cummins, a guide to manifesting the positive future. There's a few other books called wishcrafting. So just Great. it looks like this for the people that are watching it.
2: <laughs> I'll put links as well to make sure. So if, if you are listening to the audio version, just check the links below and you'll be able to click through as well. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. much for being here um, I feel like I just want to stay on I'm like I could just talk to you all day um, but I cannot unfortunately so I hope you guys have really enjoyed listening to this thank you as always for being here and listening and as always I will speak to you again very soon much love
0: we hope you've enjoyed listening as much as Rachel enjoys making this podcast why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration? And if you really love it, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people. Thanks for listening.